I believe tonight is a very important part of this series because uh, we do have an adversary. We do have someone who is out there who kills, steals, destroys, wants to cause our life to come to ruin. But God has given us a way of escape, given us powerful weapons to take care of every situation that we face. Amen. So let's pray. Father, I thank you tonight for your word. I thank you, Lord, that as we close this series, that you will fill the hearts of those that are here with the, with the assurance that through Christ, they have a, a victory, amazing victory over every situation that they face, not because of their ability, not because of their goodness, because of the alliance that they have made with the Lord Jesus Christ to receive him as their Lord and their Savior. That alliance that they have with heaven, even though they stand on earth, I thank you tonight that that revelation will be secured in their hearts. And as they go from here, they will begin to take back and capture those things that have been lost to them in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Hallelujah. Well, if you're visiting with us tonight, how many of you have not heard one, two, or three of this message? You know, maybe you've just come tonight for the first time. Can I see your hands? This isn't, you know, something. Well, praise the Lord. We got some visitors tonight. And uh, I want to tell you that this word came to me as a result of me seeking the Lord about some things in my own life. The Bible says that when we seek the Lord, he will be found of us. If we look for the Lord, if we ask the Lord, he will answer us. And um, sometimes it doesn't look like there's answers, but God always has an answer. And I've waited a while on this answer, and it wasn't exactly the answer I expected to get. How many of you have ever prayed? Expected an answer, but when you got it, it wasn't exactly what you wanted to hear. And uh, so I was visiting a friend down in Florida. We were on vacation, um, and my husband and I were on our way to see where they had lived when they lived on the beach, uh, right on the Atlantic, right in Fort Lauderdale in the penthouse of an apartment complex. And uh, so they had a bird's eye view of everything, the, the beauty of the ocean, the beauty of, of the sunrises. They saw, you know, a, a, all that beauty, but yet on the beach, there was a lot of things that went on the beach that weren't beautiful and they were Christians and it bothered, uh, especially my friend Florence. And, uh, she, when my pastor that we had in Tulsa visited them with his wife and children, uh, she was telling him, you know, we have such a beautiful place that we live in. And, and I know that we're here for a season, but she said, I just feel uncomfortable and I, and I don't even know why I feel uncomfortable. And he said to her too much flesh, everybody say too much flesh. And, and she said she began to think about that, and she finally understood why she was so uncomfortable because when she looked out, you know, at the view from way up there in the sky in, the, in that penthouse, it was a beautiful view. But down on the beach, there was a lot of nakedness. There was a lot of stuff going on that really, for her, was very uncomfortable. And, uh, you know, a lot of times if you're walking on the beach, know this, that your voice carries way up and, and they would hear things and they would see things. And, and eventually they moved off the beach. And when I heard her say, uh, too much flesh, it was like God said to me, that's the answer you've been asking me for. Now, you know, you don't always hear when you pray. How many of you have ever been in your prayer closet just really asking God, show me, show me, show me. And you leave there still not seeing. But then suddenly, out of nowhere, God will speak a word to you. Or he'll drop something in your heart. He'll reveal to you what his plan and will is. And he will answer you if you call on him. And so when I heard that, I began to really pray, God, what? now show me the rest of this. And over time, you can get any of those uh, CDs of those messages, the last three. They're in our bookstore, or you can listen online. Um, 
if you would like to listen to them on there in our media, part of our uh, of the internet. But if if you're living today in a place of defeat and you are a Christian, there is no reason for you to be in that place. God came to give you life through Jesus Christ and life more abundantly. And that includes no bondage. That includes no destruction. That we are the head and not the tail, the Bible says. And we are above and not beneath. And so as I looked at this, God began to say to me, and I believe it's not just in our homes, but I believe... Um, it's the diagnosis of the problem of our nation. Too much flesh. Everybody say too much flesh. And so the abortion laws, uh, laws that have uh, especially uh, encouraged in our country that abortion can be done in the latter stages of a pregnancy. Everybody say too much flesh. You know, those are things that have gotten completely out of hand. Now, they didn't get out of hand overnight. It was a slow process. But the fact is that we're facing them now. And I believe God is saying that for us to see what he wants to see done in the earth, we as Christians have to get rid of some of the flesh. Everybody say some of the flesh. And, uh, you know, everybody has their own area where they struggle. But I want to give you these few scriptures to begin with tonight. These are on a review. Isaiah 1, 19 and 20 says, If we are willing and obedient, we will eat the good of the land. And then it goes on and says, But if we rebel, if we refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured by the sword. The mouth of the Lord is spoken. That is not saying the Lord will devour you. He's saying that in the earth, there's good and there's evil. Everybody say good and evil. And because we are believers, God has spoken to believers, choose. You know, we get to choose. All of us get to choose whether we belong to the Lord or not. We choose him. We choose good. We choose evil. We have that opportunity. And as a result of those choices, we walk out a lot of things. Uh, I would rather walk out the good, but I've made some mistakes in my life. So I've walked out on the other side, if I have a choice, I stay on the side of the good. How many of you choose to stay on the side of the good? But we get in opportunities where, you know, there's, it's a hard choice to make. There are decisions to make for ourselves. If you're a parent here, there are decisions to make for children today, even to what movie they can go to and what's going to be in that movie and how that's going to affect their life, the friends that they're with, the people they associate with. And so all of those choices become critical choices, not just for today, but for our future. We studied a lot about different uh, alliances in the Old Covenant that people got in, especially Solomon. Many of you know the story of Solomon. He was, he was the king that was highly favored. He was the son of David. Uh, when he became king, he asked God for wisdom. God said, I'll not only give you wisdom, but because you asked for wisdom to take care of my people, I'll give you riches too. And in the end, he became ensnared because he made an alliance with Pharaoh of Egypt and married his daughter. And so it put him in an unholy alliance. And from that time on, his life began, just had that little seed, but began to be drawn to things that would lead him down the wrong place. And in the end of his life, he was totally destroyed, it says in the word of God, because of his love for foreign women. And he started out with a wife that he made an alliance with her father for, who was a foreign woman. And so we, we've looked at different ones. Tonight, I want to talk to you about spiritual alliance, because we in the new covenant have a spiritual alliance. Everybody say spiritual alliance. 
with God Almighty. And it happened through what Jesus accomplished at Calvary. But the, the connection comes through the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit that Jesus promised every believer. And I want to start tonight in John chapter 14. And um, I'm just going to give you a, a few scriptures out of there. John chapter 14, where it, this is Jesus saying, I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. Now, this alliance that we have with the Holy Spirit, it's an alliance that God established for us through the blood of Christ. So we are not our, our own selves, it says in Galatians. It's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave his life for me. This alliance with the Holy Spirit, God designed and gave us so that we could live life on this earth with the power of heaven. Don't get too excited now. Hallelujah. You can live life on earth with the power of heaven. Now, that means that we should be living in a position of authority and dominion, and we should be able to do anything that God tells us to do because it's not us who's doing it. It's through the alliance that we have with God, which the Holy Spirit every day reminds us of if we're listening. Everybody say, if I'm listening. Because the Holy Spirit has a voice. It says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Then the very next verse says, peace I leave with you. You know, when the Holy Spirit is ruling and reigning on the inside of us, we have peace no matter what's going on around us. We're not in a position where we have to live by our flesh. We don't have to live by our emotions. We don't have to live by those circumstances that are facing us because we have the Holy Spirit on the inside of us who will teach us. And it says, I give to you, not as the world gives, do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So today, as we or tonight, as we look at this, I believe we are in a warfare. And I want to talk to you tonight about spiritual warfare. But you cannot fight spiritual warfare if you live in the flesh. Because the flesh cannot war against the spirit. We finished last week with Galatians 5, 16 and 17. And I would like to go back to that scripture if we could, Caitlin. It says, I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now, we live in the world. We are human we have an opportunity every day to let our flesh rule us in, in many arenas that we don't even think about. But if we yield in those areas, things happen in our lives that begin to pull us just like Solomon when he yielded to that alliance with Pharaoh, which pulled him in to a place where the enemy had a place in his life. If you go on in this particular chapter of John 14, it says, I will no longer talk much with you. This is Jesus for the ruler of this world. Everybody say ruler of this world. Now he, at this point, the devil had dominion because Jesus had not died. God is the owner of heaven and earth, but the rule in the ruler in the earth was the enemy. And Jesus defeated him, but he still goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He is still active and in this earth causing people to be drawn into places they're not supposed to be. Jesus said, when he comes, he has nothing in me. Everybody say, nothing in me. See, when your flesh is ruling, the enemy has something to come for. When the Spirit of God is ruling... Jesus was full of the spirit. He was able to overcome sin and everything the enemy put against him because he was ruled by his, the spirit and not by the 
flesh. It says he humbled himself. And even though he was the son of God in the flesh, he humbled himself and submitted himself to God. And by that and through that power of God, he was able to resist the enemy and overcome him for us. Now, we all have opportunities where we fail. If you haven't failed this week, then, you know, wow, you have really done well. I believe every week I see little things that I mess up on. So I'm growing just like everybody else. But I have become aware that if it's my choice whether I run with the devil or I run with God, it's my choice whether I make a decision to have my life ruled by the enemy or my life ruled by the power of the Spirit of God. It's, it's my choice entirely. It's not somebody else's. And uh, I'm preparing a ma- message right now that God's given me about the blame game, but I won't go there tonight. Everybody say the blame game. See, it, it's, it's a lot more serious than you think. Tonight is kind of a, a foundation for, for that message, but I, I need you to really hear what God is saying. God does not do things to hurt us. He does things to keep us from the evil one. Everybody say the evil one. When Jesus taught us to pray, he said, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. He told us to pray that after he was gone. That was the Lord's prayer. That means that even after he was gone, evil still had opportunity against us. And so when we see things, when we are able to judge righteously, when we do not see Uh, by actions or situations that that's our problem, but we see who is the problem. We are able to identify who our enemy is. Then we stand in that position of authority and dominion through Christ, and we take authority over those situations. But if we're walking hand in hand with the enemy, Jesus said, when he comes, he'll find nothing in me. So, you know, sometimes we're trying to fight the enemy off with this hand and we're holding hands with him over here. And we've got to begin to see, you know, that's an unholy alliance. That is an unholy alliance. And when we get in that position, we become a double-minded, unstable person who has no ability to win. We are already defeated. We are already defeated. So as we look at 1 Corinthians uh, 3.16, if you'd put that up on the screen for us, please. It, it talks about how we have been um, become the temple of the living God. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? We are a little different than the old covenant people in this regard. Christ died for us, and he sent the Holy Spirit to all of us. The only person in communication in the old covenant with God was the priest. In our relationships, we all are in connection with God. We can hear from him. We have power to overcome through him. And so we, if we recognize that, and in 1 in, in Corinthians six nineteen, it goes on and says, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? Everybody say, he's in me. The Holy Spirit of God, whom you have from God, and you are not your own. You know, before I got saved, I did know right from wrong. I had a conscience. You know, uh, my spirit, my own human spirit, I, I, I knew right from wrong, but I had to make choices. Once I was born again and the Holy Spirit came to live in me, I really was convicted if I made a wrong decision. How many of you know after you got saved, it wasn't just, oh, I probably shouldn't do this. There was this voice that said, don't do that. Now, when, when that voice is heard, that's when the choice comes. An alliance is a bond or connection between families, states, parties. It's, a, it's an accord or a treaty or a covenant, which is what we came into with Christ. I want you to turn to Ephesians 6, and I want to show you uh, tonight, and it may be in your life while you're fighting things. You know, when people get in a position where they get disappointed, especially Christians, they tend to just turn their ear off to the word of God, and it is their only point of rescue. 
Everybody say the only point. The only point of rescue, because rescue is not going to come from man. Man could not rescue us. If man could have rescued us, God would have found another way. He, he saved us through his son, who was a man, but he came through Christ. I mean, came through God, and his blood saved us and delivered us. No human man can save us from anything that we're in. Nobody can rescue you except Christ. Everybody say, except Christ. And when we get in that position and understand it, it's Paul speaking in Ephesians 6. And he says in verse 10, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. Everybody say spiritual warfare. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. You know, um, when I was first born again and and I knew a lady who uh, was just really strong in the Lord. And I thought, you know. I just thought, well, you know, she's a spiritual giant. But then I saw her get upset and get hurt. Everybody say hurt. And I saw her life totally turn and, and turn inward and pull away. And, and I'm, I'm not saying she's not saved. Of course she's saved. But the power that she walked in, totally squelched. Totally squelched. Because the enemy found a place. And her, her in her mind, it was people who caused the problem. Not God, people. Everybody say people. And when she started focusing on those people, she lost the victory that she had in Christ. How many of you know some people that, you know, they've gotten, they've gotten in that place? They become a prisoner. Everybody say a prisoner. They become a prisoner of the enemy, not the, not the problem. And it goes on, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Would you all say that with me? For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Would you say that again? For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Now, when I first heard this woman talk about the beach, she said all the nakedness on the beach. And I, and I kept thinking about that. And then I thought, well, God clothes us with the righteousness of Christ. He, the Bible says he clothes us, clothes us with salvation. In Psalm 132, it says he clothes his priest with salvation. I mean, he clothes them with righteousness. That puts us in a different position than nakedness. Everybody say nakedness. See, we are clothed in that. But when we begin to try to go after the flesh, everybody say after the flesh, it's like we're stripped of that clothing that protects us and gives us authority in the earth. In other words, we can have it on, but it has no ability to defend us because we've gotten into the flesh. Everybody say into the flesh. And the flesh always gets in control when we stop recognizing that our power is not with people, but with powers, principalities, and things that are in the spiritual realm. Everybody say spiritual realm. See, spiritual warfare is against spirits. And it's the spirit of God against the spirit of the enemy. But when we get in the flesh and try to fight those spiritual evil forces, we have no weapon that will work against those forces. We have to be dressed. Everybody say dressed. We have to be clothed every day in what the word of God says. And that's why Paul said here, you need to put on, everybody say put on, the armor of God. The armor of God. Now, if you keep your uh, place there and just, if you go over to Romans 
It's in uh, chapter, I think it's 12, 13. It says, and do this knowing the time that now it is high time. Everybody say high time to wake out of sleep for now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness. Let us put on the armor of light, the armor of light. And then it says, let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the, make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. Now, um, the, the, the place where we are in this nation is because lust gained a greater place than truth. Lust gained, gained a greater place than truth. God began to speak to me, and he said, um, it's important to know a lie of the enemy is always mixed with, in the beginning, more truth than lie. More truth than a lie. But then as the enemy brings the deception, the lie increases, the truth decreases, and deception is fulfilled when the lie becomes truth. Does that make sense? Then it's deception. And, and there are many people, even in the body of Christ today, who are walking in this because they think that the problem they have is with people when it was really with the enemy who has been from the very beginning wanting to steal what they have in Jesus Christ. Because if he can get your faith in God, then he will have you right back in destruction and worse than when you actually came into the kingdom of God. Because if you're like me, if I didn't have my hope in God, and Paul often said it, if the resurrection isn't real, then what do we have? What do we have? And uh, I mean, I'm paraphrasing it, but that's what he was saying. You know, if that's not real, then it's, it's over. Well, it is real. And it is true. And it has positioned us in the Bible. It says in Ephesians, it has seated us in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. What does that mean? We are clothed in him. And when we begin to live that life and we put the flesh where it needs to be and we recognize, especially in the area of, of spiritual warfare, you know, many, many times in my life, God has said to me, you know, you have gotten in agreement with the enemy by your mouth. Everybody say, uh oh, see, we can make a choice. You know, maybe, maybe you don't talk about a person to them, but you talk about them to somebody else. What you've done is joins hands with the enemy to destroy their life because you've gotten in agreement with your adversary because God doesn't talk about people. God speaks life into people. That's what the spirit of God does. So as believers, when we get into spiritual warfare, we have to recognize what I'm facing, what I'm facing in my job. It isn't about these people. It's about the enemy who wants to steal from me the truth that God has put in my heart. How many of you have ever come to church or been somewhere and heard a message? And then like that next day you get confronted to have to use that message. How many of you have ever been there? Oh, you know, and it's like, okay, do I or don't I, you know, but you don't want to, but that's the test of whether you're going to get in agreement with the enemy or going to put your flesh down and get in agreement with God. And we'll never have the victory if we're not in agreement with God. It says in 1 Peter 5, 8, that your enemy, the adversary, everybody say adversary, goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. 
Now, if your fight is with him, then you're going to have to use spiritual weapons. In my Bible, it says in, a, in the commentary there, it says that um, three growth inhibitors. Number one, the devil. Number two, the world. And number three, flesh. Well, you know, we, we can bind the devil because we have the power of God. We have a choice to not get in agreement in James 4. We don't have to be a friend of the world. And number three, our flesh is the one that really gives us the biggest fight. Because it's, it's something that will cause us to want something that maybe we can't have. Something that causes envy and jealousy, like it's said in the word. These are the things that have caused this nation to be where it is today and have caused houses to be full of strife, churches to be full of strife, a nation to be full of strife. And God is calling us in these last days to take a stand in spiritual warfare. Everybody say spiritual warfare. How many of you uh, have influence with the president of the United States in the natural? I don't. He wouldn't know who I was. Now, I can send an email, and I will, but, but my, he doesn't know who I am. But the enemy knows who I am. The devil does know who I am, and he knows I have authority, and I know I have authority. So when I want to come against what's happening in this nation, I have the authority to bind and loose what he's doing. Now, what if the entire body of Christ woke up to the fact that my, my, my enemy here is not a person? My enemy is not a, a Republican or a Democrat. My enemy is not the guy I work with. My enemy is not my wife or my husband. My enemy is not my children and what they're doing to me. It's what the devil is doing to all of us. And my flesh has gotten in agreement with the enemy rather than in a holy alliance that I am in. I need to get my robe back on and start doing what I need to do and begin spiritual warfare. Everybody say spiritual warfare. Now, I want to show you how this works. If you look at First Corinthians or Second Corinthians chapter 10, we all know this. If, if you're in the church, you know this. And uh, warfare, warfare is, not, uh, is not like exciting, you know, because we'd rather somebody just fix the problem. How many of you have ever said, God, just fix that? God, could you fix, you know, Sally so my life would be better? Could you fix my wife? Could you fix my kids? You know, uh, how about just we give them to somebody, you know, else? You know, is there somebody, you know, can you give that person at my work another job? Can you, everything, everybody say self. See, that's, so my life can become all I'd like it to be if you could fix these things. But God says that we're the ones who enforce the defeat of the enemy in the earth. You know, he, he already did his part when he sent Jesus to the cross and he died for our sins. Now we are in this position where we can win. Turn your neighbor and say, I, I, I win. You do win. But there's a, there's a key to this winning, and we have to do it God's way. 2 Corinthians 10. Now, when this starts in this chapter, it says, Now I, Paul, myself, am pleading with you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, who in presence am, who in presence am lowly among you, but being absent and bold toward you. But I beg you that when I am present, I may not be bold with that confidence by which I intend to be bold against some who think of us as if we walked according to the flesh. For though we walk in the flesh. Now, the Bible says in uh, Galatians 5, I think it's 25, that if we live in the spirit, we should walk in the spirit. Everybody say walk in the spirit. Paul here isn't talking about, he's talking about we're mere, we're human. We walk, our flesh walks around. You know, when you see me, you don't see my spirit man floating through the room. You, you see my flesh. How many of you know that's true? I might be thinner if we could just see my spirit. But, you know, that'll be in heaven when you see me there. But right here, 
right here we see the flesh, don't we? I mean, that's what we see. And he's saying we walk in the flesh, but we do not war according to the flesh. Amen? See, we said at the end of last week's message that the, the, the kingdom of heaven from the days of John the Baptist has suffered violence, but the violent take it by force. That means something's going to happen that we have to initiate. Now, it says here that we do not war according to the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Everybody say carnal. But mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. Now, let me just show you in 1 Corinthians, Paul was teaching. And he he talks about how he came in the demonstration of the Spirit. And he goes on and he says that that we know the mind of the Lord and we have the mind of Christ. But then he goes on and says, I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal. Everybody say carnal. As to babes in Christ, for you are still carnal. For where there are envy, strife, divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? When you're in that state, you are not fighting the fight that you will win. You are fighting, but you won't win. Because you have now engaged with flesh in another person, and who you've engaged with is the enemy. See, when people start out using the enemy as a, a way to get their way, you know, uh, wicked spirits, they'll cry all over the place. And, and, and oh, <laughs> oh, shut up and come out in the name of Jesus. They're, they're not really crying. They're not really crying. They're, they're, they're diverting you from doing what really needs to be done so that you'll feel sorry for them. Now, what it does is the person likes the crying because everybody feels sorry for them. But what it's doing them is ensnaring them in a deeper problem because the enemy gets more control over their life. And the person that finds them in that place that's usually crying with them is somebody who's also upset about the same thing. And they're all in sin because evil has captivated their mind. Are you getting this? And that's why it says like spirits attract each other. Well, I'm telling you, Jesus said, when the devil comes for me, I'm going to find a like spirit. He's going to find the power of God, and it's going to loose people and set them free from every bondage that they're in. That's the way God intends for us to live. And then it goes on and says, for our weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. That is the things that say that person did that to me. My husband did that to me. Those people did that to me. If only they hadn't done that to me. If only you could fix that. Everybody say, that's those things that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God. Because the knowledge of God says that your warfare is not with people. It's with powers and principalities that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God. So then, what is the only thing that will stop the enemy? The word. Everybody say the word. The power of the word of God. And so when we begin to use the word as the weapon and we begin to speak it and declare it, the enemy is stopped. When we use our own ways of fixing things, the enemy will not be stopped because it's flesh. And the enemy doesn't have to. He plays with flesh. He doesn't have to stop when there's flesh. And then it goes on. It says, bring every thought into the captivity of the obedience. Everybody say obedience of Christ and being ready to punish. Now, this is the verse you don't hear. Just like that verse that's in in Revelations, it says we overcome by the blood of the Lamb, the word of our testimony, not loving our life even unto death. You don't hear that a lot. You hear the first two. In this one, you hear all this about casting down arguments, doing those things. But read verse 6. And being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. 
I will never forget the day. I can tell you exactly where I was standing in the building at OREA when I was, the Lord stopped me and said to me, when your obedience is fulfilled, then you can take care of this problem. Now, that was a strong word. And I thought, well, what am I doing? Well, he proceeded to tell me exactly what I was doing. And I could not get the victory. I would not get the victory till I made a decision to take care of my own disobedience. My flesh. Everybody say my flesh. Your spirit man will not disobey God. Your spirit man is connected to the spirit of the living God. I was reading in, in this thing of Brother Copeland's, and I just, he was talking about the key to confidence. You know, God wants us to be confident as believers. But if we're walking in the flesh, too much flesh, we have no confidence. Because the flesh cannot bring confidence. And he says, you can never get away with disobeying God. And he says, remember this, even though the eternal price for your sins has been paid, a life of disobedience will cost you dearly. It will cost you the boldness that is rightfully yours in Christ. Now, I like this last line. It will rob you of faith and rock you with fear. It will rob you of faith and rock you with fear. What? Disobedience. See, and flesh always wants to disobey. How many of you have children in here? How many of you have ever told them, don't do that? How many of you have had them do it anyway? You know, they're not, they're not bad kids. There's that nature, that flesh that always wants to push the envelope to do it. That, that is a human tendency. But we do not submit to the humanness. We cast down arguments. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Now, it says in um, Amos 3.3, 3, and we started with this in the very beginning, how can two walk together unless they be agreed? Uh, freedom in Christ is free. free freedom in, in Christ is free. However... Once we know Christ, we have been made free. We have been made free, but we may not necessarily walk free. It's, then it becomes our choice on a daily basis if we walk in that freedom that we have been given. God never takes back his word. So he whom the sun sets free is free indeed. But I can put myself in a place where the enemy can snare me where the enemy can hold me in a place in my life by my choice, whether I'm going to be in a, in a, an ally of God or an ally of the enemy. And none, nobody in here would say, oh, yeah, I want to be on the enemy's side. We, we don't say that. But when we make those choices, we allow the enemy to do it. It says in Ephesians 4, 1, 3, walk worthy, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. That's exactly what Jesus said. He said, I've given you the Holy Spirit who will teach you all things. And then he said, my peace I give you. There will never be peace in our lives as we walk with Christ until we walk in unity with the Spirit of God. We have to be connected spirit to spirit, not spirit to flesh. You will never find unity in your life with your flesh and your spirit because they always war against each other. And it causes you to be in that place where the enemy can take a shot. Um, the, the word that God had given me that really began to uh, make me realize how important this was, and it's really changed, you know, a lot of things in my life. It's still things that God is saying to me. You know, when you get a revelation, everybody say a revelation of truth, then God begins to make it more and more clear every day, more and more clear. I remember when God told me that I had vanity. 
You know, vanity is pride. It's a different kind of pride. The prideful person oftentimes just acts arrogant. The, the person who has vanity always puts themselves in a position that somebody has to tell them they did a good job, and then they feel good about themselves. But it's still pride. Everybody say it's still pride. I said, I don't do that, God. Now, listen, just a good helping point here. Don't ever argue with God because if he says you do it, you do it. Hallelujah. The only freedom, the only way to get freedom is to repent. Everybody say repent. Only way is to repent. There is no other way. Now, repentance is not just, sorry, I got caught. It's I choose to not do that anymore. But that choice, you have weapons of warfare to live in that choice, but you have to start changing everything that you say and everything you do to line up with him. And uh, I said, Lord, how will I know when I do that? Just show me. And, you know, I, I, I tell you, this is what happened. Uh, I started, I would itch, you know, I would get this itch <laughs> and it wasn't, a, you know, like anything was bad, wrong, but, uh, and I'd start to itch and, and the Lord would say, you're doing it. I'd think, Don't. <laughs> I'm not, but I realized maybe I am, you know, and if he was faithful, he made me itch. <laughs> I itched until finally, and he, and, and the Lord never got mad at me. He said, because I'd say, dang, I did it again. And he would say, it's okay. Just ask forgiveness and, and, and go again. And I kept filling myself up with the word. You know, I don't need man's approval. Because the word says it's a snare to my soul in Proverbs 29. He gave me a scripture. I'd say it over myself. But I still, and I didn't even know I was saying it or doing it. But I would itch and I would know. I'm telling you, God is faithful. He wants us free. He wants us to live in freedom. He doesn't want our flesh to rule. There is total freedom when man no longer controls you, whether they like what you say or whether they don't. And you can never be what God called you to be. In this particular message, God is still working on me in that place because he said, where I'm taking you at the next level, you'll have to say things that not even people that you think know a lot are going to agree with you. But you say what I tell you to say because there's things that have to be said. And if they're not said, people are going to be ensnared. Now, I don't like to be in that position. If you know me, I'm not, I don't like to make people ruffle their feathers. But I am to the place where I don't want to see anybody slide down that slippery slope. And so when God tells me to speak, this is not right. And he will always confirm it to the person you speak it to. He will always confirm it to the person you speak it to. I see it happening all the time now when God tells me to say something. But... We're living in a day where evil has increased. How many of you believe evil has? Do you, 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 I mean, it's, we are living with people today in leadership over us who now believe the truth is a lie. I mean, what we know is truth. They believe is truth, and it's a lie. We know it's a lie. We know it's not truth, but they think it's truth. And never will you be able to get that out of them except by the power of spiritual warfare. You cannot convince a deceived person that they're wrong because the lie has become truth and they will not come off that truth. The enemy has set them up to destroy them. Amen. Acts 1.8, God said to me, what, what you will lose if you, if you don't make this choice to begin to get rid of the flesh in, in more areas, you know, maybe wherever you are in your life, it may not be the same things with you that it is with me. But I'm telling you, it's time to move off the beach just like those people moved off the beach and get that flesh out of the way because the power of God is stopped by flesh. 
You are still righteous because you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, not through your works. You are still saved and walking. And if you went to heaven today, you would be in heaven today. But if your flesh is taking dominion in situations and you're walking in that place where flesh is ruling, you will not have power to stop the spiritual problem in your life. You may have the ability in your flesh to be really strong and get some things done. Get people out of your life you don't like. That's, that's kind of what divorce is oftentimes. And I've been divorced twice, so I'm not throwing eggs at anybody. But I'm telling you, trying to get other people in situations to change so that your life will be better is not the answer that comes from the kingdom of God. It's taking that authority and dominion and telling the devil, you don't live in this house anymore. You do not live in this house anymore. And you are not going to control my children. And, and you begin to speak the words of life that need to be spoken in that house. But you set yourself in a place of being obedient to what God says in your own life so that when you speak, the enemy knows he has no place in you, has no place in you to come. Would you stand with me tonight? I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you because I believe that uh, you may have come tonight, you know, and there may be things in your life that um, even when you, when you work at trying to do it the right way, you, you seem to be back and find yourself in a pattern where you know that it brings destruction, but you do not know how to get free. The word of God is the only way to get free. The word of God in your life used as a weapon, everybody say as a weapon, is the only way for freedom. You know, um, we all need to make the effort to agree with God, but sometimes the enemy will get us on this little wheel that we're trying and trying and trying and trying and we still have the same opportunity come back again. Rather than recognize what's the root of that problem and deal with it and then repent and then let God begin to strengthen us so we don't live in that. That's the real answer to freedom. We hope you've been encouraged, strengthened, and challenged in your walk with Jesus. If you need prayer for situations in your life, we encourage you to email us at prayer at victorylafayette.org or call our offices at 765-447-7777. If you desire to make Jesus the Lord of your life, or if you have drifted away from the relationship you once had, I encourage you to pray this prayer with me today. Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. I believe Jesus died for me and rose from the dead. Today, I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I receive the forgiveness for all my sins. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you come into my life and empower me to live a victorious life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.